Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and it relates the story of the, the Magi coming to, to Christ. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sandra. Now, I'd like to ask you to think for a moment, what is the best possible gift that you could imagine getting this Christmas? What is the best possible gift that you could imagine getting this Christmas? And while you're thinking of what that best thing might be, whether it's uh, material or relational, a, a thing or some sort of experience, while you're thinking of that, I'm going to tell you about the strangest gift I ever received. Uh, I'm not counting, but it is almost to the day, five years exactly since I received it. And I was at an in-laws extended family gathering, so everybody's watching me. And I'm handed this, what's well, sort of the shape of a very thick book, but it's too light, something's wrong. And I peel it back and the eyes are all on me and I, I peel back and it's a, a very bruised box of Arnott's pizza shapes that I've been given. And the strangest thing about the gift was that they were already open and some were missing. <laughs> like this, this is the one day of the year that you don't want any more food. You do not want to see any more food. And I'm given an open box of shapes and they weren't even chicken crimpy flavor, if you know. If you know, you know. Now there's, there's two, as I've, I've reflected on that and I've turned that traumatic moment into a learning opportunity and I've had five years to process it and think about it, I now have a theory. I think that was a very, very strange gift for two reasons. Firstly, it told you absolutely nothing about me, nothing. Secondly, it was a gift I just didn't need and, and I could have just so easily gotten it myself. 
So this is my theory of, of good gifts. A good gift, it tells you something meaningful about the person who's getting it. And secondly, it's a gift that you really need and you just couldn't get yourself. And so I ask you again, what is the best gift that you could imagine receiving this Christmas? And, and even as I ask that, I'm aware that there are sort of two, two responses to Christmas or two types of people as we come to Christmas. The first kind of person just can't wait to get to Christmas. It's a precious time of year, it's a special time of year and you look forward to it. You can't wait to get to Christmas. But I also know that some of us feel differently and we, we can't wait to get through Christmas. We just can't wait to get through Christmas because it's stressful and it's difficult and we dread this time of year. And, and I want to say tonight that to both kinds of people, to all of us, God actually addresses us, speaks to us in this section of Matthew 2 that Sandra read for us and he offers us all something better. He offers us something better this Christmas and our way into discovering that and seeing what that is, we're going to look more closely at the gifts that the Magi, the three gifts that the group of Magi gave to Jesus. It's there in the back part of verse 11, if you have a look in your Bible. And we're going to see that these are good gifts because they each tell us, each gift tells us something meaningful about Jesus. So let's unwrap these three gifts together. If you have a Bible in front of you, it's uh, verse 11, the first gift given to Jesus. It's gold. Gold is given to Jesus. And what does gold tell us? Well, gold is a gift fit for a king, isn't it? It's royal and it's rare. And why would the Magi, why would they give a gift fit for a king to Jesus? Well, verse 2 gives it away. The Magi are looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews. And if you're looking for a king, where do you go? You go to the palace. So they went to the palace, they find King Herod, and he has no idea what's going on. And so he speaks to the Jewish leaders, and they remind him of this 600-year-old prophecy of Micah. That's what we read in verse 6, that out of Bethlehem would come a ruler who would shepherd my people Israel. And so already we're seeing that Jesus is not the sort of king that we would sort of recognize straight away. Firstly, he needs no palace. He needs no palace, but he's also the king that God has always promised to send. And what sort of king is this Jesus? He is a shepherd king. He has come to shepherd his people. Jesus is our shepherd king. He is authority and love together. He is powerful and he's tender He's royal and he's personal. He's the shepherd king that God always promised to send. And you think about it, some babies, not many, but some babies will grow up to one day be a king. But Jesus is the only king who became a baby. And so gold, it is a good gift, isn't it? It's a good gift because it tells us, it reminds us that Jesus is the promised shepherd king. So that's gift one. I think that's a good gift. Gift two, frankincense. Do you know what frankincense is? It's, it's, it's like a perfume. 
When I was 12 years old, my grandfather handed me a bottle of Old Spice deodorant. <laughs> it was weird. It was very weird. I didn't know what it was. And I look back now and I know what was happening. He was re-gifting. And is, is, is that what's happening in Matthew 2? Is this ancient re-gifting? No, I don't think so. But to understand this gift, to understand what it means, we need to know that frankincense, that was the perfume or the oil that would be burnt in the temple, that would be burnt each day in the temple as an offering to God. So frankincense, it's what is used as an offering to God, and it's always given and offered in the place where God meets with his people. And so when the frankincense is given to Jesus, it reminds us that Jesus is God, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus is where God meets with his people. So frankincense is a, is a good gift, and, and it makes more sense if you know what the name Jesus means. It, it wasn't in our reading, but if you were to flip back to chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God with us. And so frankincense, that is another good gift because it tells us something about Jesus, that Jesus is God with us. That's gift two, frankincense. But there's a third gift, myrrh. And myrrh is, it's an embalming liquid that would be applied to a dead body to prepare it for burial. And it's easy to sail past uh, that, that word there in verse 11, but, but we can't because I think this is the equivalent, this is the equivalent of turning up to a, maybe like a first birthday party or a toddler's birthday party, carrying a coffin as a gift. And so just imagine what that would be be like watching this gift of myrrh be handed over to Mary and Joseph. Imagine the look on her face. How, how could that be a good gift? How could myrrh possibly be a good gift? Well, it is a good gift because it tells us something critical about Jesus. What does it tell us? Myrrh, which is this symbol of death, it reminds us that this Jesus who is they're laid out on a, on a wooden trough who once cried and, and spluttered out his first breaths would grow up into the man, the same person, Jesus, who would be stretched out on a wooden cross and again cry and splutter out but his final breaths and die. But it's not a normal death when Jesus dies because he is... He is God's shepherd king and he is God with us. And so his death, it did something. Jesus' death, it dealt once for all with the problem of our distance from God, from our separation from God. And so in his death, in his life and his death and his resurrection, Jesus comes to us. He finds us. And he puts us on his shoulders and he carries us home to God. That is what Jesus did. And so myrrh actually is a very good gift because it reminds us that Jesus is the one who would die for us. So to recap, there's the gifts. 
three gifts tell us three important things about Jesus. Firstly, gold, he's the king. Frankincense, Jesus is God with us. And myrrh, he'd die for us. Three good gifts. But if you remember at the start, I actually said there was a, a second criteria to the, to the best kind of gift. Because the best kind of gift is a gift that you really need and you just couldn't get yourself. And so these three gifts of the Magi, they're good, but at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't really need them. He doesn't really need them because without being given gold, Jesus would still be God's promised shepherd king. And without the gift of frankincense, he would still be God with us. And without myrrh, he would certainly still die for us. So at the end of the day, Jesus ultimately doesn't need these gifts. And if we were to keep reading through Matthew and then through the Gospels and then through the whole New Testament and then even back through the Old Testament, if we were to read the whole Bible, we would see that the most important thing is never the gifts that we could give to Jesus. It is never about the gifts to Jesus. The Bible, the Gospel, is an announcement of the gift of Jesus to the world. It is the gift of Jesus, that God has sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn it, but to save the world through him. It's the gift of Jesus. That is the best kind of gift, the gift of Jesus. And how is it the best kind of gift? Well, it's as a gift to us, it tells us something really important about us. It reveals something about us. And what it reveals is that we can't do life in God's world on our own. We need help from outside, as it were. Secondly, it's a good gift because it's something we really need. We really need a shepherd king who is both strong and kind. We really do need God with us because we could never get to him. And we really, really need Jesus to die for us because we were utterly stuck in our separation from God. This is the gift that we need. And so ultimately, Jesus is the best imaginable gift because he is and he brings that which we could never, ever get for ourselves. The light and the life and the love of God. That is why Jesus is the best imaginable gift we could ever, ever get. And if that's true, how do we receive that gift? How do, how do we receive that gift and actually make it ours this Christmas? How does it become yours? There's this, uh, it's a, it's a made-up story, okay? So it's not from the Bible, but I still like it. I'm going to tell you it. <laughs> I think it tells us something true. The story goes like this. The three magi were coming around to the, to the stable with their gifts to meet Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And as they're sort of about to come around, a fourth magi turns up. He's late and he's got no gift. And he's embarrassed because he's looking and he can see that they've got, each of them have got a pretty good gift for Jesus. And he's come with nothing. And so the three magi are sort of elbowing him and ridiculing him. How could you be late? You're always late. You brought no gift. What are you doing? Anyway, they come around the back of the stable and there's Mary holding Jesus and Joseph is there and they line up to give their gifts. And the first magi 
gift of gold. Joseph, thank you, takes it. Next Magi, gift of frankincense, hands it to Joseph so with the other hand. Thank you, takes it. Then the third Magi steps forward with the gift of myrrh, but Joseph's hands are full, and so he looks at Mary for some help. She's holding Jesus, so she, she, she can't take the gift. And so in that moment, who is the only person that Mary can hand Jesus to so she can receive the gift? It's the fourth Magi. Why? Because he's the only one who came with empty hands. The one who comes to Jesus, the only one who can receive Jesus is the one who comes with empty hands. That's the true thing that story is saying. And for us tonight, that is true. The one who can receive Jesus as a gift is the one who comes with empty hands. And so tonight, what would it look like for that gift to become yours? What, what are some ways that we could, that you could make Jesus yours, that gift, and receive it this Christmas? Well, the way that we could receive Jesus with empty hands is to bring nothing and to trust that Jesus really is your shepherd king. It's to come to him with empty hands and to trust that Jesus is God with us. It's to come with empty hands and to trust that Jesus died for your sin. That is how we come to Jesus. That's how the gift becomes yours. And, and, and tonight there are three ways, three things you could do to step towards that. Firstly, you could just come and talk to Michael or myself or someone that's regular here or someone that brought you. We would love to just have a conversation with you, hear more, help you on your way. But secondly, there are also some copies of the essential Jesus that are at the, at the front door. On your way out, why don't you take one of those for yourself and this Christmas set some time aside to read it and get to know more about Jesus for yourself. But thirdly, why don't you come and join us here for church? We meet here every Sunday at 8 and 10 and 5 and there's a group starting in the, in the first part of next year which is an opportunity to come and find out more about Jesus and ask questions or sit back and just take it in. But you're invited to that. So there's some things, three things you could, you could do. But if you're thinking, nah, no, 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 not for me. Not for me. Why? Because I'm a long way off the sort of Jesus stuff. I'm not a very sort of churchy person. It's not my crowd. Not for me. Then I would just say as, as gently as possible that that is the exact kind of person that Jesus has a habit of searching out and drawing to himself. He really does. And, and there's a long line of people who are very unlikely suspects to encounter Jesus and to know him as their friend and their king and their Lord. And do you know who, who else I would put in that long line of people who are unexpected, unlikely people to encounter Jesus at Christmas? The Magi. The Magi. They were literally far off. And if you know the Old Testament, you're not going to be expecting the Magi to arrive when Jesus uh, is on the scene. Jesus has never given up his habit of drawing people to himself. He is the best gift we could ever receive. And if, if you're here and you're a Christian, you know what that's like. You love Jesus. And so as I, as I read this next bit out, you'll be able to nod along to this. You'll know this for yourself. But for those of us who don't know Jesus, have not received him as a gift, I, I want to give you an opportunity to just sort of try it on for a moment, see how it fits, to sort of step into that world and just experience it for a moment. 
I'm just going to read out a prayer and you can just listen to it. This is a prayer that a Christian wrote. It's called the gift of gifts to, to express and explain what it's like to receive Jesus as a gift. I'm going to read it for us. It says, source of all good, what can I give to you for the gift of gifts? Your own dear eternal son, my redeemer, my substitute, his self-emptying, incomprehensible, his infinity of love is beyond my heart's grasp. Herein is the wonder of wonders that he came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. And herein is love. When I cannot rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Herein is power. When God and mankind were infinitely apart, he united them back together forever. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no other help within myself, he came, God with us, to save me to the uttermost. As a man to die my death, to shed his blood on my behalf, to restore my relationship with God. Oh God, take me in spirit to those watching shepherds. Enlarge my mind. Let me hear good news of great joy and hearing believe, rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience is bathed in an ocean of peace. My eyes uplifted to a reconciled father Place me there with the goat, the camel, the ox, to look upon my Redeemer's face, and in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart, embrace him with undying faith, delighting that he is mine and I am his, that in him you have given me so much that heaven can give no more. I love that. And that was written 400 years ago. And it is the same today that Jesus himself is the best gift that we could possibly receive at Christmas. Jesus is God's promised shepherd king. Jesus is God with us and he did die for us. So praise God for Jesus. He is the gift of gifts. Amen.